Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is Attorney Vince Davis. This is Get Your Kids Back Now. This show is dedicated to keeping families together and to fighting the tyranny of CPS and DCFS social workers. A secondary purpose of the show is to educate parents and relatives or to at least show them where to get the necessary information for their fight. The final purpose of the show is to remind the people that change can be effectuated at the ballot box, at the state and federal levels. Let us unite, vote, and elect those who will make the necessary changes. I just want to remind our California voters, and I think it's the same in a lot of states, judges that are sitting as judges in the CPS courts are subject to election and or re-election. So make sure that if you're complaining about some judge, make sure that you vote because your voice will be heard. Today we're going to talk about um, relative placement. been getting a lot of calls about relative placement in the past couple of weeks, a lot of questions. And this is the typical scenario. Hi, Mr. Davis. The children were taken away from the parents. The children were placed in foster care and the children to the relative. There are different excuses for not placing children with relatives. But first I want to tell you that it is the law in California that children should be placed with relatives or close family friends. They are, they are referred uh, in the juvenile courts as nephrums. I forget exactly what nephrim stand for, but they're close family friends. So they don't have to be relatives. But these children should be placed not in strange homes with strange people. They should be placed in foster care with relatives. There is a section that everyone can Google. It is called Welfare and Institutions Code, Section 309. Please Google it. Please read it if you are a parent or a relative trying to get children placed with relatives and the social worker gives, is giving you a hard time. Now, some of the that are used for not placing children with relatives are, number one, they live outside the county of Los Angeles. Number two, they live outside the state of California. And number three, they live in a foreign country. All three of those excuses are no good. Now, maybe in common sense, if you're a relative or a parent and you've been told that, maybe you would think, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. It's not the law. It doesn't matter where the relative lives. They could live on the moon. If the person is willing and able to take care of the child, they must be considered. Please read, please Google Welfare and Institutions Code, Section 309. I think you can also get it by just typing in WIC309. Now, when you read this, you're going to think, well, that doesn't sound like what the social worker was telling me. And, of course, in most situations, it's not. Social workers have their own agendas, and their own agendas may be what they think is best for the child. They may be, you know, based upon personal biases, They may be based upon um, money. You know, there's a lot of government money flowing around in this 
these juvenile courts and these CPS systems. So money is always a factor about where a child is placed. So what I encourage everyone is to read those sections and to make sure that if you are a friend or relative of a child, <clears throat> you can get the child and you should have the child placed with you. An interesting thing came up in a case uh, this week where a distant relative um, was chosen over the grandmother. And there is another section uh, in the code, and I forget the, the code section right offhand, but it gives preference to certain relatives. And those that preference is the grandparents, adult siblings of the child, and aunts and uncles of the children. So if you're one of those types of relatives, you should be considered first before Cousin Mary. Third Cousin Mary is a relative, but she doesn't have the preference. So there are relatives that have preference, and then there are all the rest of the relatives that should be considered. If a social worker tells you that they're not going to place the child with you, you have remedies. You have legal remedies in court. First is a JV-285. You can file that. Just Google California Form, California Judicial Form 285. And that form is just a couple pages long. It's very self-explanatory. It's a way for you to inform the court and the social worker what you'd like to do with respect to a child that is under the dependency court jurisdiction. You could visit the child, you could take the child to uh, outings, you could take the child to school, you could have the child placed with you. There's a lot of things that you could ask for. Um, I very see them used, and I very seldom see courts address it. And if you file it, you must make sure that the court and the clerk address the filing of your JB 285. If you're a relative and the social worker has told you no, consider the following. Do you want to file what's called a 388 petition to have the child placed with you? Do you want to file a motion for de facto standing? If someone tells you you can't file a motion for standing in the juvenile court because you never took care of the child or you took care of the child too long ago, they are telling you things that are not correct legally. You can file for de facto status and be treated similar to a parent in a juvenile case if you've ever taken care of the child or if you want to take care of the child. There is a little known case, which is the law in California, it's called N. Ray Charles S., which says if you are a relative and you're coming to court and you have an interest in the child, you can petition the court for standing. You want standing so that you can ask the court to give you the child or give input to the child on what's best in the child's, you know, interests. So you'd also want to file perhaps a motion uh, to get disclosure of all the court records. You see, you're not going to know what the social worker is saying about you because all of the reports are confidential and limited to parties in the case. And since you're just a relative and you're not a party and you go to court and you want to fight for um, placement, it's going to be pretty hard for you to fight if you don't have the evidence that's being used against you by the social worker. 
I know that sounds kind of crazy, but it happens. I did a case um, in San Diego County. Uh, several relatives wanted the children placed with them. The children were in a foster home. And in the trial, the social worker was allowed, and her attorney were allowed to use reports and evidence against the relatives, and the relatives weren't allowed to see it. So it was very difficult to address it if you don't see the evidence in the reports. I know that sounds unfair, but a lot of things that sound unfair are actually the law. So make sure that, you know, if you can, at least talk to an attorney who has experience in this area and find out, you know, some of the things that you need to do. A couple of the other things that I do, and I think almost 95% of all of the lawyers and judges disagree with me on this issue, is I file petitions for temporary and legal guardianship. Uh, And that's usually something that's done in the probate court. But I believe, you know, it's my opinion, my humble expert opinion, that you can also file those in the juvenile court because the juvenile court has jurisdiction over everything concerning the child. So the 388 petition, the motion for de facto standing or standing, the petition for the records, and, of course, the guardianship petitions. Now, do these work every time? The answer is sadly no. Expression of the judge, whether he or she is going to agree with the social worker and keep the child away from the relative placement. But if you don't try, you're never going to know. And a lot of times, judges surprise relatives, surprise me, surprise the social workers, and place children with relatives where the social worker recommended against. If the child is going to be placed in a home outside the county of Los Angeles or outside the state of California or outside the United States, there are laws that cover that. The first two is something called the intrastate compact, And the other one is called the interstate compact where social workers from those jurisdictions go out and investigate the relative. I had a case in Monterey Park, Los Angeles County, and the grandfather was in Colorado. Interestingly enough, he happened to be a preacher, a reverend with a large congregation outside of Denver. And the social worker absolutely refused to place the child with the grandfather. I never really got the real story about that, but it didn't matter. Um, We filed a petition. We asked for interstate compact. Um, It was granted on an expedited basis. That's within 30 days because a regular interstate compact could take months. (coughs) Excuse me. So make sure you ask for expedited interstate compact or intrastate compact or the international interstate compact. Um, eventually, the, after several court hearings in Monterey Park, um, the judge decided that the child should be placed in Colorado, and that was over the objection of the social worker here in Los Angeles County. The case recently ended with the child uh, being placed in legal guardianship, permanent legal guardianship with the grandfather, and the case is closed. So, you know, I don't know why the social worker wanted here in Los Angeles didn't want the child placed there. 
she had never met the grandfather, spoke to him on the phone. I'm sure the grandfather was reasonable and professional and courteous. The social worker never mentioned anything about him uh, being inappropriate. I can only speculate that the federal funds for this child followed the child. And once the child was placed outside the county of Los Angeles, the county of Los Angeles, federal money does the same thing. It decreases or disappears. Uh, And a lot of people speculate that's one of the reasons why social workers don't recommend the child be placed outside the county. The other reason why is um, just they lose control of the case or they lose control of the child. They can't pop over in, you know, Denver, Colorado and, go look at this child, Uh, they have to rely upon the Colorado social worker to do that. So maybe they don't want to lose control. Maybe it's a combination of both. But it's hard for me to fathom when a social worker in Colorado goes out, that's construction in the building. When a social worker from Colorado goes out and says the grandfather is a fine placement for this child, why a social worker in L.A. County would still say, well, I don't recommend the child go there. All right, I'm going to take our first call. It's from area code 925, ending in 93. Good morning, you're on with Attorney Vince Davis. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? A story to tell. Go ahead. So about three months ago, my son was taken from DCFS. I was leaving an abusive relationship, and in the process of leaving to Arizona, the, I was arrested for forgery on a pink slip. And my case is in Los Angeles County. However, I reside now in San Francisco County. My son's residing in San Francisco, or in the Bay Area as well. And all my services, everything I'm supposed to do for reunification, it's all through Los Angeles. So I'm trying to fight the CPS system while not really understanding what I can do being so far away from everything. I don't everything they want me to do, I have to do in Los Angeles. So you live in San Francisco County? Yes, I was leaving to Arizona when my son was taken in Los Angeles. We had just stopped there to sleep. And so it, I couldn't go back to Arizona, so I had to come back to where I was staying in the Bay Area. Did you say your son is living in San Francisco County as well? Yes, sir. He's placed back where we were um, staying prior to me leaving. Um, I was staying with, with a friend of mine. A friend of mine. I was staying there, and I was also in a relationship and working. They were have separate. My son your, wasn't staying with me. Huh? Have you done your disposition hearing yet? Yes, sir. Everything's being done in Los Angeles. I've been having to go back and forth. I missed um, one of them because I couldn't leave out of work to get to L.A. Okay, so I'm going to tell you what to do. Do you have a pen and a piece of paper? Yes, sir. I want you to email your attorney. Okay. And ask your attorney to have the case transferred to San Francisco County. 
Okay. That's a very easily easy solution. It's called a motion to change venue. And based okay. upon what the facts that you've told me, yours is the prime case. If the child and you live in San Francisco County, Los Angeles County shouldn't be supervising the case. They don't know anything yes. about I'm gathering about the reunification services that San Francisco could give you. The social workers could easily see you because you're in San Francisco County. You know, it so doesn't no, make sense to, I have a, to be in yeah. Los Angeles. I have a question, though, because the, the only reason they took my son was because I was arrested for a misdemeanor forgery, and they said that I was unable to provide a plan for my son for me going to jail. However, the lady that was helping me offered to take my son, and the police officer told her no. I don't understand why, after I was released from jail four days later, I, this is still, I mean, there's no question as to any abuse in his life. You 100%. Did you talk about that issue with your attorney? Yeah. My attorney didn't even say anything. To, I didn't even know that I was entitled to a trial. Like, I just was told I had to sign the court report, and I aged out of foster care. So when I had the, you know, county's case plan, I expected that. I didn't know I could take it to file and fight the charges against me or anything. I didn't, I mean, all I know is I'm able to see my son on supervised visits now, and his birthday is coming up, and I won't be able to spend that with my kids in person because it's something that I was trying to fix. Well, wait a minute. I thought he was in San Francisco. Why can't you see him on his birthday? I I could see him on his birthday, but it's supervised. I don't mean I don't get to, you know, I don't have my son. I've never been without my baby. He's 12 years old. And it's just, I don't, none of this is making sense to me. Are you sure that the only allegation against you was that you signed, you were accused of forging a pink slip? Yes, they because said that the abuse charge, they said the W&I-300A abuse charge came from the fact that he would have suffered harm from me not having a plan intact in for him in, for when I went to jail. They had another okay, so, charge of the domestic violence. However, that was taken off because my son never witnessed it. My son was never around it. And so... The only thing they have How is long? the failure to, huh? How long ago did you have your disposition hearing? It, is that the first, the very first hearing that you have? No, that's the detention hearing. Okay, then the disposition me, would have been on October 31st. So what I would consider talk, advise you to do is talk to your attorney about filing a notice of appeal. It doesn't sound like there was enough facts for the court to get involved to keep your child away from you. I mean, I have course, I haven't I reviewed your court box. You know, that's I what I thought, but when I got out of jail, I got out of jail um, on, thir- on a Tuesday at 5 o'clock that evening, and I had to be in court for my son for the very first, the initial, I guess, you know, I don't know, the very first, court hearing that you have, I had to be there at 8.30 the next morning. And so, I mean, I had no, I didn't even, I had no 
chance to even figure anything out. And then my lawyer talked to me for 30 seconds and then didn't say anything in court. Like, I don't understand why he didn't say anything. Case in Los Angeles County? Yes. How many court hearings did you go to? That I went to, um, one, because when I went there, the next hearing they had, I went to the very first one. And then the next hearing they had was October 31st. Come on, baby. was October 31st. However, they were leaving me. I mean, I exhausted all my resources staying in L.A. for two weeks, and I had nowhere to go, and I was sleeping outside, and I I couldn't stay anymore, so I had to come back to the Bay Area get a job. And so So I I haven't been able to do the court... Do you know when your next court hearing is? Um, they have one for Monday. Uh, that's the one to see about the transferring the case over here because I can't do anything for for my son. I can't do any services there. And so that one's on Monday. Okay. Do you plan on attending that hearing? I do. Um, I was able to finally get them to agree to allow me to attend the hearings via telephone. Mhm. And so I'm okay. able to do it on the phone on Monday. Do you have your attorney's email address? I do. Okay. So make sure you you email your attorney and get a copy of the case plan that they've ordered you to do. And also talk to your attorney about appealing because from what you're telling me, you know, they don't have enough to have a case against you. Getting arrested and not having a plan, in my opinion, is not jurisdictional. As a matter of fact, there are several appellate cases that say if you're incarcerated in state prison, but you can make a plan with a friend or relative, there's no reason for the juvenile court to be involved. It's because the cop thought, I, I mean, the cop specifically told me, he said, no, this lady cannot take your son. He said, your son's going to DCFS and you're going to jail, you thief. You know, it was his personal opinion of me that caused him to call DCFS and caused him. My son wasn't even, I mean, they took the vehicle and left me and told me what to do to get the car back. I did what the cops told me to do. He told me to go to DMV, transfer the title, then go to the sheriff's station, get the release, and then go get the car out of the tow yard. So I did all of that, and when I went to the sheriff's station to get the release is when they arrested me. What happened to that case? Were you convicted? It was a misdemeanor forgery. I pled no contest because I just needed to get out so I can go to my son's court case because that's the only thing I cared about was just getting my son. It's very important that you speak to your attorney about alternatives because I don't think they have enough to keep your child away from you. Now, what if my attorney just does I mean, he's a public defender, and I get that I'm just another case file to him and another paycheck. I mean, he doesn't – it's not like he's trying to do anything. It's, I mean, I don't feel like I could, I could tell him everything I want until I'm blue in the face. I don't feel like that's going to matter if he's not, re, you know, relaying that to the court. When you were in court the last time, did you plead no contest to the allegations? 
I didn't plead anything. Well, because you weren't even there, right? In family court, I didn't plead anything. I went to the very first case that that came four days, five days after my son was taken from me. That was on September 12th. I went to that one. I didn't plead anything. They didn't give me an option to plead. They set the next court date for October 31st. That's when my lawyer told me that they weren't obligated to meet the burden of proof. However, I had nowhere to stay, so they were able to say that I couldn't receive my son anyway because I couldn't leave out of California to take him to Arizona. So, did you show? I mean, I'm confused. Did you did you show up to court on October 31st? Yes or no? No, no, I was in the Bay Area working. Okay, so you can appeal this case then. And what I suggest is that you talk to your attorney about appealing it. If if the attorney is not uh, going to help you, I want you to call me on Monday after the court date on the phone Uh and tell me what happened, and I, I can suggest a plan of action for you at that time. If you have a pen, I'll give you my number where you can call me. Yes, I do. Okay, it's I'm ready. 888. Okay. 888. 888 again. 65828. 888 6582. Okay. What's your first name? Felicia. Okay, Felicia. So I'll be expecting to hear from you on Monday. You'll tell me what yes, happened sir. at the court here. And then I will give you some advice on what you should do if your attorney is okay. not going to help you. But I would suggest that you try to email or talk to your attorney. He's supposed to be able to help you. Yes. And okay. ask him for the for an appeal on the October 31st decision, correct? Correct. Okay. Okay, thank you and so if much. And if, if, he, if he asks you why... You should tell them what I just told you. That there's not enough. They didn't meet their burden of proof. They couldn't have, based upon what you told me. There's nothing. There had to have there's been nothing. Okay. There's well, nothing. You know, I mean, well, now, can I ask you a question? So, they have, they do say, because I smoke, I've been smoking weed. Like I said, I emancipated from foster care when I was 18. I've been smoking marijuana since I was 15. I stopped taking anti-psychiatric medication. I stopped in my medication until, you know, and I've smoked weed since I was 15. I'm 30 now. They're saying that I'm my marijuana usage impairs my ability to care for my 12-year-old. Is yeah, well, that valid? Well, it's valid if they have evidence that shows that it is interfering with you taking care of the 12-year-old child. So they do have to prove that. Oh, absolutely. But with you just being in the the county overnight, I don't think they can prove that. Well, they can't prove it anyway. I mean, (laughs) yeah, no, they can't prove it anyway, but they made it seem like I'm an I'm a drug user because I smoke weed and now that's reason for them to keep my son and it's just I feel like my mom and I've never done right. anything that my mother's done to me. You know, I want to make sure that you and the listeners understand that understand this. 
just because you use marijuana doesn't mean you get your child taken away from you. They have to prove some very specific things. You know, a lot of times people think, you know, that's true for any judge, excuse me, for any drug. Let's say you use heroin. They still have to prove that it is interfering with you taking the child or there's a risk. Now, some people will say, well, if you use an illegal drug, that's automatic. But that's not the law in California. It's not a strict liability type of thing. They must still prove that you're a risk or that you have been negligent in the past. Okay? Yes. Yes, sir. Okay. Okay, Felicia, thank you for calling. My producer is trying to give me a, a, a signal. I don't know what she's t- talking about. Um, but anyway, thank you for calling. <laughs> you didn't take sign language? And, no. <laughs> and I, neither did she. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, and I'll talk to you on Monday. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Okay, I'm going to take the next call, which is area code 424, ending in 8-9. Good morning. This is Attorney Vince Davis. Do you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Um, I have a question to ask. I've been following you. I've been following you for four years since I've been on my case. Now, my case closed in July, giving my niece guardianship. Now, I've been trying to get my kids moved. They took one first due to the teacher dragging my son at school. And he drug him by his hair. And the police came to my house and made a report on the teacher. Now, they they put my son on a fifty one fifty hold um at the beginning, so I'm I'm looking at they try to say that I neglected by signing him up for counseling and and everything. Now before this has started I had signed my son up for a, you know, he was being bullied at school. So I put him into counseling at Lock Wellness here in L.A., and he had, when I signed him up, his appointment was in October. Well, they took him October 1st. I got in court December um, to see why they took my son. Now, it ran, you know, they kept running me around, wanting me to take parenting, um counseling, therapy, and get a psychiatric evaluation. Well, when they wanted me to do that, I was already in counseling and and doing that already. So now that I'm, um, you know, years into this, about about a year into it, they come back and go behind the judge that was doing my case, go behind her back and get a petition signed to come and get my other two kids well, one of them is special needs. He has Down syndrome. And they told me, because I wouldn't give them my kids because they wouldn't be at the judge, so they put me in jail. I stayed in jail for about four days, and my daughters 
went on and, you know, brought my kids in after I asked them not to do it because I felt like they had no reason to put me in there because they went behind the judge's back and got a, a, a order for my other two to be removed. I asked them why did they come and take my kids. The other two, they one of them says medical neglect. Well, they had went to the the clinic that I was taking my son to, and I had got into it with one of the the physicians the physicians there. She refused to see my son when I had brought him in because he was five minutes late. Um, he had to walk up the hill to get to the doctor's office, and he was having an asthma attack. So I was like five minutes late. She refused to see him, so. I got kind of angry because I wasn't going to travel back all the way to Los Angeles on the train with my son not breathing well. So I took him to the hospital. And when I took him there, because the doctor refused to see him in the clinic, they hospitalized him. I was angry because I thought if I wouldn't have took him to the hospital and wouldn't have went home, my son wouldn't have made it. So that doctor, since I had went over her head and complained on her, she she falsified reports which she wasn't my son's doctor at all. So, uh, you know, she was trying to say, well, I never got a sleep study done, which I have paperwork and everything to contradict what she's saying. So now here it is, been three years, almost four in October. Um, My niece has my children. They gave her temporary guardianship, and she has taken over like she's the mother. She won't let me speak to my kids. Um, the social worker uh, pushed for me not to have physical visits with my kids, just telephonic visits. She doesn't allow me to see my kids. I've been trying to get my kids switched because I have they have older siblings. Uh, my daughter is 28, 27, and 26. They're refusing to let my daughters or one of them get them. They, they refuse the father to get the kid because he lives out of state. They try to say because he has mental issues um, because he's schizophrenic. Um, They just keep trying to come up with so many excuses. My other son's father, the first one that they took, they didn't correspond with him at all. They waited until my case was closing to try to get in touch with him, which he was at court with me since the beginning. He was going to see his son at um, at the Lama Mental Health. And i just been, you know, getting the runarounds. Like this caseworker told me, like, he, I wasn't going to get my kids. I wasn't going to never see my kids. And that's basically what they're making sure that I don't get to do is get my kids back. I've done everything that they've ever asked me to do. I've done up and beyond to get my kids to try to figure out how was my niece able to just block me out as a parent. So you want... You want to know how she was able to get guardianship of your children. Yeah, I wouldn't have never placed my kids there. My daughter, my my sister had lost them because they were being molested. Now, like I told them, I wouldn't have never placed my kids over there because there is history of kids being molested over there. You know, when I was four... I was in the presence of the same sister who has, who's around my children now where I was molested at, and I really feel very uncomfortable. I can't sleep. They're not paying me no attention. 
they had a case that was out of Indiana for them, the accusation of child molestation. They actually took the child to the hospital where it was found that the child was actually molested, but they placed my kids over there. And I'm just not, you know what I'm saying, this caseworker has really been nonchalant to anything that I'm asking for. You know, it's like basically he's trying to punish me, you know, with my kids because he knows I'm a very loving mother. Like I said, I had nine kids, raised five of them, and I, you know, and I'm just looking at them like, really, what's going on? Because I'm not getting nowhere, and my and my niece, who's just their cousin, really stepping in like she's like trying to be their mother. She's she's abusing my kids. Like I said, they barely eat. Her daughter had called me one day talking about they were hungry. The mother was gone out of state. She just leaves the kids with different people, and I'm not understanding how she's able to do this. How long have your children been there? Um, one's been there. Um, one's they've been there about three years. And how old are they now? Um, one to be thirteen on December sixteenth, and eleven and ten. Would you like to get the children Yes. I, I mean, yes. <laughs> they're tearing my family apart. I got grandchildren. That's their ages. I mean, they're they're tearing my family apart. Do you have a pencil and a piece of paper? Yes, sir. Is your case closed or is it still open? No, they just closed it in July. And I've been trying to figure out how to go back into court to get my children, even remove them to my sister and them because they tried to say that my sister couldn't get them because she lived in Sacramento. Did you hear the beginning of the show today? Yes, sir. Los Angeles County? Yes, sir. The G85? No, JB. JB. J.B. Juice Victor. Uh huh. But I, I gave another site. It was uh, Welfare and Institutions Code <clears throat> three zero five. Oh, excuse me, three zero your original question. You're going to have to file what's called a 388 petition to have the children returned to you or in the alternative to give you more frequent and more liberal visitation which may be a stepping stone to getting the children back. Mm-hmm. All right? Okay. I have one more question I wanted to ask you. So do you think that I should redo the parenting classes and stuff, like update them and everything and get a a letter for my psychiatrist and them? Current letter from the psychiatrist is always good. Okay. But what about the parenting? You said no. 
If you've already completed parenting and have your certificate, I wouldn't recommend that you do it again. Yeah, because they're not a – yeah, I did it, and I did it in a timely manner, but they never they never acknowledged it. <laughs> so do you have your certificate? Yes, sir. Well, that's all you need. Now, I, I've told you what you need to do, and a lot of people think that they can fill out the 388 petition, you know, and it's not that simple. No, it's not. So you're going to need some help doing this. I gave out my telephone number earlier. You should probably call in and speak to us and see if we can help you. You have a pen. I'll give you the telephone number again. Yes, sir. Go ahead. It is 888-888-6582. Okay. 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 I, I really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. All right. Keep listening. Yes, thank you. So if your children are in a permanent plan of guardianship, you have to file a 388 petition uh, to get them back. Now, for everyone that's going to be filing 388 petitions for this and other things in court cases, a good 388 petition is not something that a layperson can do, in my opinion. Uh, A good 388 petition not only fills out the form and signs the form, but you also give a declaration that is chock full of facts to support your request. And also, it would be good if you have a some points, legal points and authority that will give support you legally to give uh, either the children back in this occasion or in this circumstance or whatever order you're trying to change. So you should always talk to a lawyer uh, about filing a 388 on how to file a 388. A lot of people come to me and say, hey, I filed a 388 and the judge denied it. And then I look at the 388 and I think, well, now I know why the judge denied it. It wasn't you know, done properly or it wasn't a good, thorough, legal job done. A lot of people believe that doing legal work in a court, uh, that everybody should be able to do it and it and that it's, you know, very straightforward, and that's not the case. The doctor told you you needed open-heart surgery. Um, I don't think most of you would say, well, doc, how do I do that? You know, I'm going to do that myself. It's just not something that you can do. So it's like changing the transmission in my car. They told me I needed a new transmission. I don't have the training nor the experience nor the knowledge on how to change the transmission in my car. So I know I can't just go down to Pet Boys and buy the parts because I can't put it in. But people don't understand that when they think they're going to court. They think they're going to court and they should be able to do everything and the judge should work with them because the judge will know that they're not an attorney. That's generally not the case. All right, I'm going to take another call right now. It's from area code 951 ending in 64. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vince Davis. Do you have a story to tell or a question to ask?
Hello. 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 Hi. Um, if you could turn off your your radio, because I can hear the the echo. Hello. You still there? Yes. <clears throat> Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Hello. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are How are you? I'm fine, thank you. This is um Elda Le. Hi, Elda. How are you? I'm doing good. I was listening to your show. Um, I just want to make a comment that it's not it's not um just filing like you say because I went through this and. I saw the 388, and I was wondering why if the lawyer has already put this in. Why haven't I received back? And it's not that uh, you just file and you get your child back. It's not. It doesn't work that way. A lawyer has a lot of a lot of paperwork to do. A lot. The parent has to do the classes, not once, but over and over, uh, as much as satisfy this. Um, a lot of the information that's what happened to me. A lot of the information was to the point that the Davis, um, who I'm speaking to, had to literally get up and tell the the, the um, judge, "We have the papers. That they're filed. They're right here." And the judge said, "I've never have seen the papers. I've not come So a lot of can There's parents out there in need of of your help to believe in you, to believe that, yes, you can overcome this, and, yes, your office is capable and able to help them. I think we're having some technical difficulties with this particular caller and her reception. Um, Elda? You were, I think you're in a bad area and you're getting bad reception and your call was fading in and out. So I'm going to take another call. We have about 10 minutes left in the show. It's, uh, the caller is area code 562, ending in 17. Good morning, Good morning. Vincent. Did you, have a story? Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? I like to relay a story to tell. Go ahead. Yeah, um, uh, every case is important. And uh, one of the first things I can start off with is that uh, the key to getting your family back together is to make sure you have an attorney. In my case, it didn't happen to halfway through my case. But uh, to all your listeners out there, if you find that connection, and Vincent Davis is one of the top attorneys around, um, he takes the time on Saturday to devote to getting your kids back and uh, you know, lots of words of wisdom. My case was about a financial struggle. I'd worked all my life since I was 15. And in 2010, unfortunately, at the age of uh, 61, I think it was, or 60, I 
lost my job. And after working for, you know, 45 some years straight, it's, it's pretty hard to take. And of course I went downhill spiral because I wasn't finding jobs in my field of strength or at the income level that I was getting or even close to it in my field. The, 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 um, the line of work in my area was suppressed and, uh, um, I ended up uh, really struggling, and so I went into a spiral, and that's what happened. When you go into a spiral, things happen. The first things you start arguing in the home, and the person you argue with is, of course, your wife. And so um, we were constantly having arguments and so forth. I got and learned about what domestic violence is. You can't argue in front of the children. We had a loving family, and we had, uh, you know, three beautiful children, and three grown-up children and our three young children were very well into school doing good grades even though we were in a spartan lifestyle we had to uh bite the and tie down things but one of the first awful things that happened is that uh the neighborhood we lived in is very um if you have your curtain the wrong way they're going to report you i mean they're just very mental and so rumors started happening because the yard wasn't getting well tended the house wasn't being painted every year, um, things like that. So complaints started coming in, and they started making up stories. And then we found out, which is sad, because we wanted to have our kids be take care of our relatives, thinking that they want to help us get back together and get me back on the feet. And that was far from the truth. They ended up saying stories and making up stories, and eventually social services started hearing some ridiculous stories and to the point where all our kids were... Um, uh, supposedly they were starving to death, didn't have showers, didn't go to school and all this. And, and then finally the social service tried to come out on one day, a Wednesday, and uh, I wasn't home at the time, and neither uh, was my wife. And when they looked around, they saw the cars parked in the driveway. They say they're abandoned only because they're older cars. Everybody has new, new cars. So they would say they look kind of uh, disheveled and so forth. So they called out the police. Code enforcement and fire department show up on Thursday. And uh, uh, the way they, they, they got me, as I was picking up my son at the elementary school and driving to go pick up my wife. And apparently an unmarked uh, policeman in, in a car uh, followed me for about five miles. I don't know why he just followed me, but he was following me. And I guess he was trying to figure out where I was going with my son. And uh, he finally got a black and white pulled me over and the black and white said you violated something. I said, what did I violate? We said, well, maybe you have to talk to this guy back here. And this guy comes out, flips out a badge and says, you're following me. I said, what do you mean I'm following you for what? You wouldn't say. I said, I need to get my wife. And my biggest mistakes are I said, well, you need to have a search warrant or you need to have some type of a document. You just can't just pull me off the street. And then he said, well, I saw you. You did a California stop, a stop sign. And so you write your ticket for that. But Anyway, he takes me back with, with my son because I thought this is my biggest mistake, and I guess this is what gets you in trouble. You, you really believe in our society, believe in our government, and you believe that they're all supposedly trying to help each other. You know, we pay for them and so forth. So what happened was they come to my house, and they start tromping through the house and making up stories and saying because bicycles are on the porch or it's a clutter and just atrocious things. And so right away – you know, they, they take my kids away that same day and then uh, Friday that next day, then you have the, what's the best place to put them in because they're at Orangewood, which is, is in Orange County. And it's, it's infested with bees and infested with diseases and 
the worst place to put your kids in there. It's not a really uh, remarkable place. So um, we started going through the torture of having no money to hire an attorney, and uh, and and what and what and what to, what to do. And so we got uh, a public defender, and they're a waste of time. Public defenders is like a cattle; they're just pushing people through. Uh, they don't believe, and, and you find out that the judge. The public defenders, the attorneys for the social, they all work together. It's all in cahoots. You're not going to get a fair justice system unless you have a bona fide uh, attorney. It's like going to a third world someplace, getting a a witch doctor in the jungles to uh, try to help you on something. So I learned everything the hard way. And the the thing was, was so bad is that they just hit me twice. They made a criminal charge out of something that was atrocious. They trump it up. Um, they, they add all kinds of things that aren't true. They drag it on for a year. I didn't want to go through a trial. I didn't have the money to pay for an attorney to go through a, through a trial. So um, I settled. I did a plea with, with the court. I take a misdemeanor that I was endangering my kids because I had too many of my parents' belongings. My mom and dad were dying. And uh, I, mean, I had the worst nightmare of anything coming in for you know, eight years. Um, I just uh, was, was going through hell, as I say there. But uh, the sad part was you have social workers that lie. It's unbelievable. They do the story to it. They, they do this review every time for a court case, and so full of lies. It's just it's unbelievable. I don't know how they look themselves in the face um, of how, you know, how much that they, they, they lie. It's just like one social worker alleged that I violated a restraining order, which I never did, and that went on for a whole year to finally the courts gave up or they couldn't prove the case, and the social worker uh, you know, it's it's like the believer is saying. And then on top of this, the most horrible thing that ended up was that my daughter, our daughter, a loving daughter, who was 13 at the time, divorced her parents was the best way to go. She had been living with foster care. The way that they do, they're very clever. They conquer and divide. And what happened was is that they um, they um, divided our family up. They were first in a group home, always two together. And they got my daughter convinced that a foster care, these people for seven months, she was going to throw away 13 years with her mom and dad and uh, to go live with these strangers, not with relatives because the relatives turned out to be bad. I mean, it was bad, bad news. And so this story, I mean, it concluded just this last month in November. We got our last child fully clear in our, I guess, yeah, I'm still, going through trying to remove a restraining order and, and my formal pro- probation, uh, you know, which yeah, I should never have been on in the first place. And it ended up being that uh, I um, um, uh, had that last thing to take, take care of. But the sad part is you have a, a mother that's completely destroyed. My wife is not the same anymore. Our kids are not the same anymore. Um, the kids were once were healthy, happy, children are not and that is the sad part you know um uh, you know you, you can't replace four years of a, of a of a nightmare of nothing more than witch hunters making money off the system they are so corrupt and i want to sue every individual from the top down and every one of them is responsible for destroying a loving caring family so that's my next goal is to uh is to take them and show them that they're wrong. They can't walk in 
to a family, they need to be helpful. Where was any of the re-family unification? I got Zippo on my daughter, not one iota. I haven't seen her. I haven't held her. I haven't talked to her in four years. And it's just the hardest thing for me to swallow. It's just, it's just unbelievable. I just, uh, uh, I just don't know what to say. And I know you got another call probably, so I'm going to end this now because I've already talked a couple minutes here. But to all your listeners out there, is what I'd like to share is that uh, whatever you do, if anything possible, try to get an attorney like Vincent Davis or somebody that really cares a lot of them good out there. Um, Vince knows a lot of them. And, uh, you know, um, and, and you have to make sure your rights are protected. Say nothing to social services. Do not say one thing. That's the biggest mistake. When you start talking to them, they'll twist things around. And you don't have to. You don't have to say anything to social services. They have to have a warrant to do things. There's things that they do so illegal. They just, just they pull around there. So with that all said, Vincent, I, I, hope that my, I hope the listeners listen out there. And, again, thank you, Vincent, for all that you do. Well, thank you very much for calling in. I appreciate it. And keep listening. Thank you. All right, we have probably less than two minutes right now on the show. I can't take another call. But I did want to tell the listeners about a case that I'm involved in right now. Um, I'm involved in a trial, and I represent the mom. And another attorney that I know, a colleague, represents the father. And we've been in this trial in the CPS courtroom uh, for like three days, three or four days, and something happened uh, the other day, uh, and we go back to court on Monday to try to finish the trial. But what happened was is that the parents who were together at the beginning of the case have started arguing between each other. And it's very sad because one of the one of the strategies the department uses is that they hope that there will be inviting, infighting and division among the family. And uh, that seems to be happening here. In this trial, we are winning, uh, but I see the case slipping away because of infighting between the family, the family not sticking together because of you know, personality conflicts. When you're involved in these types of cases, try to stay together and work out any differences you have after the case is over. I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, we'll see you next week on the radio. And I've gotten some calls, excuse me, some messages that a lot of people want to talk about suing the social workers for violating your civil rights. So we're going to try to talk about that next week on the radio. Goodbye and have a good weekend.